Welcome to the Amazing Applications Podcast for Microsoft business applications creators who want to build amazing applications that everyone will love. Hi, I'm your host, Neil Benson. I've been practicing Scrum since 2008, and I've been a Microsoft Business Applications MVP since 2010. My goal in this show is to help you slash your project budgets, reduce your delivery timelines, mitigate technical risks, and create amazing, agile Microsoft Dynamics 365 and Power Platform applications. Amazing Applications is a little different to most of the other podcast shows in the Dynamics 365 and Power Platform community. On this show, we believe that the approach that we take is just as important as the technical skills of our teams. And so we focus on applying agility to our projects, our applications, our organizations, and quite frankly, to ourselves as well. I also love celebrating the success of Microsoft customers and partners who've built amazing agile applications to find out how they did it. And I try to get them to open up and reveal what worked for them and what didn't. My guest on this episode is a little different. It's the story about how a passionate power platform solution architect imagined a future where you could take a screenshot of your legacy application or its database schema and have a Power App built for you in a few minutes, with all your legacy data migrated into Dataverse as well. If that sounds as crazy to you as it did to me before I met my guest, Bert Vines, and saw Power Accelerate in action, then you're not going to want to miss this episode. Speaking of missing an episode, is there anyone else in your team who might be missing this episode, or maybe never even have heard of the Amazing Applications podcast, I'd really appreciate it if you could take a moment, recommend it to one person on your team, and suggest that they listen to Bert's amazing story about his application that builds Power Platform applications. Tell them to go to amazingapps.show and listen online and subscribe on their favorite podcast player. You can find show notes for this episode including contact details for BERT and Power Accelerate by visiting customary.com slash 026. And make sure you stick around until the end of this episode to find out how you can get access to the bonus episode with our extended interview. Here's BERT Vines. BERT, welcome to the Amazing Applications Show. It's great to have you on. I really looking forward to this interview. I think it's going to be something a little bit special. We'll get into that in a moment. But just for our audience, I wonder if you could just take a second and introduce yourself. And my first question is going to be, what did you have for breakfast this morning? Bert. Okay, yeah. Good good morning, Neil. Uh, first of all, thanks for the opportunity. For breakfast this morning, I, I think I just had a, a bit of cereals uh, and orange juice. So, so nothing too fancy, yeah, but it's a weekday after all when, we, when we're recording this. A quick introduction. I've been working in the Microsoft technology space for about 13 years now, I think. Uh, most of the time with uh, the Dynamics stack in the last four to five years, uh, deeply integrated into Power Platform. 
My yeah, current role is I'm the co-founder of this Power Accelerate uh, solution, uh, but I do have a, a main job as well. Uh, I work for Microsoft uh, in, inside of uh, Microsoft Consultancy Services. Uh, so yeah, I like to be busy, uh, as you can hear. Um, so your current role uh, sounds like you, you've got two. You've got a consulting role within Microsoft mm-hmm. Consulting Services, and you're starting up a new venture as well. Yep. Um, what was your What was your first role out of school or out of university? And what were you doing whenever you just got started in your career? My first role was actually a .NET developer. I think about yeah, 2008, so that's a long time ago. It was for a partner company, EDS, which then got rebranded to HP and DXC, and I think they got yet another name by now. And I started as a .NET developer, I did that for some time, and then after a year or so, I rolled into Dynamic CRM, CRM 4.0, back in the days. And that got me hooked before I knew it, I was doing CRM for many years. <laughs> I, it's, it's, it's strange to hear somebody from Microsoft criticize other people for changing the names. <laughs> uh, there's been a little bit of consternation in the community about the renaming of things, but uh, we'll leave that alone for now. I don't... I'll give you the benefit of doubt. I'm, I'm going to assume you don't work in marketing and you weren't responsible for all, all the name changes. Correct. Um, uh, so tell me a little bit about Power Accelerate. I understand it's a, a new venture for you. Tell me a little bit about the, the company that you've started and the application and what it does. Yeah, so Power Accelerate, we started this journey, I think, about a year ago where we were seeing that it was taking customers quite a bit of time to get started on their yeah, Power Platform journey. And they, they got to the initial ideas and they built some small little apps really fast, but really to get fully into the platform and, and, and the true value of the platform, it was taking yeah, companies a long time. And we figured also that some of these tasks in building these more yeah, enterprise applications or moving legacy applications to Power Platform, is actually quite a repetitive task. Like each time you have to create a data model, you have to do the data migration, uh, create some screens. And yeah, we just sat on the idea like, there must be a way of doing this better, especially if you look at yeah, doing this at scale where you look at yeah, maybe 50 or 100 applications. And from that idea, we just yeah, got to work, build a small MVP and pilot to test out the, yeah, if this was possible from a technology uh, point of view. And about, I think, six months ago, that MVP was ready. And we started the private preview and started working with the customers and, and partners, uh, mainly a lot of partners uh, as well, in a private preview beta uh, mode. Uh, so they get the benefit of not having to do the manual work. And we get the benefit of uh, yeah, improving the product. And I think we're now yeah, about yeah, five to six months in. Uh, we have released many new features, many new channels. But it's nice to see it, it grow as well, where partners are really starting to see uh, the benefits, but also giving us biggest challenges. Uh, like it initially started with moving some small and simple applications to Power Platform, but now we're talking about yeah, databases with 150 tables uh, and, and thousands of records. Uh, so they give us new challenges, which we can use to improve the product as well. But the, the true objective is that we try to accelerate the customer's journey uh, by automating a, a bunch of the discovery tasks of, of moving applications, as well as the actual yeah, implementation work. So I can take an existing data model. Is that the most common starting point? Maybe an access database or 
SQL Server database and Power Accelerate can consume that? Is, it, is that where most people start? Yeah, so, so we, we support four channels at the moment. One is screenshots. Uh, so that can be a screenshot from a, a screen in, in an application. could also be something you draw on a piece of paper or in MS Paint, uh, which we try to use a lot <laughs> for the demos. And, and what it does, it uses a, an Azure Cognitive Services model to detect uh, which fields are on this form. And then it translates this into a data model. Uh, and then we automate all of the tasks we can to move into a Power App. Right. And, and, and screenshot, screenshot is one channel, but then we also support Excel Access and, and Microsoft SQL Server. Uh, the benefits of Excel is that on top of the, um, yeah, the, the detecting the form, we can also move the data. Uh, but for Access and SQL, we go even further and we, yeah, we have a lot more details about the, the source, of right. course, but we can also move uh, relations and relational data to, to the platform. And I think what's a good story to tell is uh, one of the first times we were showing this to a partner in, in Spain. I think it was, I, I remember. Uh, we did the demo and, and at the end of the session, the uh, lead developer went like, wow, thank you for automating the most boring part <laughs> of my job. <laughs> right. Because he, he had sitting there and, and, and been creating these data models field by field for the, yeah, for, for the last years. And he's like, wow, I, I, I need this. Yeah, yeah, I've got to admit, you know, creating tables and, and fields is not, sorry, what are they called now? Are they, yeah, I got it right. Tables. Yes. Tables, yes. Tables and, tables and columns. And columns, columns. Thank you. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. It's never the most glamorous part of the role. And I've, I've always used a little cheat method using the data import wizard from the old CRM days. You can actually import a data source that doesn't uh, exist. So the target doesn't exist and it will create the the, um, the columns for you, data type, and sometimes it's never quite right, but it, it was good for a demo, maybe not always for, yeah. for production. I saw a YouTube video a few months ago, and it was a, let's, let's say it was a solution architect or a business analyst in a workshop with a bunch of users drawing fields on a whiteboard, you know, doing UX design on a whiteboard, and there was a camera there hooked up to a computer, some kind of cognitive service, translating that into a user interface design. Is Power Accelerate there yet? Or it sounds like you're pretty close. If you can take an MS Paint user interface and consume that and build me something in Power Apps. If they take a picture of, of that form, which they build, eh, we will detect the data model and, and, and auto-generate everything in, in the Power Platform stack, going from the dataverse tables, the fields, the data types. And we have a, a bunch of logic there as well to detect common data fields depending on, on the label, because uh, right. otherwise everything would be a text field. Uh, and then we would also yeah, create a model-driven app, populate forms, views with, with those fields, and then we can also generate a, a Canvas app. Uh, the, the thing we cannot do, uh, because you, you said there was a yeah, user experience design session where they probably put fields in a certain position, and to yeah, make it more accessible or usable. Yeah. And so we don't have that advanced logic where we can create exact screen designs. Where we What we do is we create the data model, the fields, and we put those fields on the form. Uh, but someone still has to put them in the right order or the right format. So it's it, yeah, best to consume. Yeah. But, but yeah, we're halfway there, I would say. The optimum layout for any given form is, is a very tricky balancing act for any UX designer. You know, do you, do you group all the most commonly used fields together? Well, in, at least in Australia, a, la, a middle name is often not populated. So 
Do you go first, last name and put middle name somewhere else on the form? You know, those are very difficult design decisions for any team to make. How does your application decide whether to build a model-driven application or Canvas application? Maybe got a sense you're doing both? Yeah, so so by default, we create everything in, in, in data first, or the yeah, common data service. Uh, I'll, I'll comment on the name change again. <laughs> or was it the Dataflex? See, I'll, I'll name all three of them. Data first, Dataflex, um, data. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, by default, we create everything in, in, in there. So the entities, and then we always create a model-driven app. And then we have the possibility to create a Canvas app on top of uh, that data structure which we've created. Uh, that, that, that's the way and we do that for the Canvas app, a comment there as well. So initially, we were using uh, robotic process automation, so Power Automate Desktop, to yeah, basically have a certain template. And then we automate the manual actions to replace the data source in the template and the fields uh, using RPA. Uh, with the release of this experimental tool, uh, Microsoft released, I think, two or three weeks ago uh, with the YAML language where you can extract an MS app uh, into YAML. Uh, we are uh, looking at going that route because it's it's more re- reliable right. and, and it requ- requires less uh, prerequisites on our side because we've seen that uh, the Power Automate desktop here and there isn't always uh, um, yeah, performing as we expected. And there's some some difficult cases like uh, entities with the same name, which, which make it hard for RPA. So we're definitely looking at that new part, uh, the experimental feature, I think they called it uh, uh, as well. And tell me that Power Accelerate is making some pretty intelligent design decisions you're not using new underscore for example as a, as your prefix for all your your custom tables yeah. um so h- how do you decide for example um the data type for any any given field i could maybe infer from a label that it's uh, a date field for example i guess if you had a screenshot of a legacy application that might be easier if there's a date picker but for a choices field how do you know that it's a choices field and can you ever populate the set of choices that would that would appear in the dropdown? Having worked in uh, consultancy for dynamics for, for more than 10 years, we, we don't use the new underscore naming uh, as well as yeah, all of the solution files. Uh, we only populate the additional fields and use all of the best practices. Uh, that, that is the benefit of, of knowing that world because yeah, Dataverse yeah, comes from uh, dynamics under the hood. So a lot of those best practices we, of course, leverage. Uh, around the common field logic, uh, the way it works is, is twofold. Uh, one is we allow, we, we have a set of global common fields. Uh, so, so our Power Accelerate tool is a, is a SaaS tool. Uh, so it, it's an online hosted tool in, in .NET. And we have a set of global fields which apply for everyone. Uh, but then as a, in your own Power Accelerate tenant, as a partner or as a customer, you can add uh, fields to that. And the way it works, it uses labels, uh, and we use uh, fuzzy matching based on those labels to detect, for example, the date of birth field, that is date-time field. Uh, and, and, and based on the label we detect, we will flag it as a, as a date-time. Uh, the second layer of intelligence we added after that is a common data model mapping. Uh, so the common data model uh, from uh, the collaboration between Microsoft, uh, SAP, and, and, and some other companies, they have a common data model like uh, with, with person records, contact, uh, organization records, accounts. And so there we go a level further. If we detect through the common fields logic that there is more than three 
fields which could map to a common data model entity, like first name, last name, date of birth, and we will automatically suggest like, hey, we're seeing this could potentially be a person record, and we will allow you to map uh, to that common data model entity, and it will then automatically map in, in the logic to the common data model, uh, forcing uh, an actual best practice, because another thing, we're seeing is that uh, when those citizen developers create, start creating 100 apps, they also create 100 different data sources and 100 different person record types, which creates a, a nightmare for someone yeah. wanting to do something with that data. Yeah, yeah. opens up a whole you know raft of <laughs> very difficult design decisions. You know, do I reuse a common data model entity, which a lot of them would be a good idea. You've given a great example there of that looks like a person. Let's model that on the contact mm -hmm. uh, table. Yeah. But sometimes those common data model entities come with a, what do I put this politely, mm -hmm. a set of baggage, you know, some history, some constraints that yeah. often a solution architect or a developer will, will go, no, I can't live with those constraints. I'm better off creating my own custom entity, even when it looks a little bit like one of the system entities. Can your application make those kind of trade-offs as well whenever it's making those decisions? Yeah, the way we do it is we, we put the decision in, in, in the user's hands. So we work in three steps. One is you you upload uh, the source, uh, screenshots and Excel and access, or, and then you get the review step. So we give them um, an overview of this is what we have detected. Here's the suggested common data model entity, here's the common fields. And they can decide whether or not they want to apply that that yeah logic because you're totally right. I've, I've been been there, done that, and I, I have the T-shirt of uh, making those wrong decisions uh, somewhere in in, in my uh, career. I have to refactor it entirely afterwards. Uh, so that decision we actually leave with the users. We don't make the decision for them, but we do make the suggestion if we detect a person or or an organization. Like, hey, it looks like you. we are seeing a, a person or an organization record. You can map it uh, through the tool. Oh, great. So I guess once the data model is in place, you said that you also build some forms and views, do all that boring things that developers don't enjoy doing. Yeah. I guess there's still all the requirement for um, user interface and validations and um, some relationships maybe, but also... Uh, all the business logic of, you know, this field is required or that, that whenever this field is equal to this value, then this other field becomes, you know, read-only and all those kind of uh, okay. user interface uh, business rules that need to get applied. That's still the work of an implementation person, whether that's a citizen developer or a Microsoft partner with a professional developer. Is, is that right? Yeah, correct. So, so in the third step, we indeed automate uh, the generation of everything which is possible. And we have... Some logic, like uh, we populate uh, forums and the views uh, with the fields which have most data. So there's some some logic to help there, but that through screen logic and, and those business rules is something we cannot do yet. Eh? You never know in a couple of yeah, years, uh, because one conversation we had with a customer was around, uh, I, I have yeah tens and, and tens of Excel files, and some of them have complex formulas. Well, uh, as you're reading the data model and the data out of Excel already, you can read the formulas. And based on their formulas, you could make certain decisions. Um, while we looked into it, it it's just too open-ended. And, and again, it's so dynamic that it's hard right. to uh, define any rules uh, for, for that at this stage. So that is still uh, a, 
yeah, the, the work of a citizen developer or, or a professional uh, developer, uh, either in some cases. Well, that's a bit of a, a relief, Bert, that we've still got jobs for the foreseeable future. Um, so <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> thank you for that. It does all this boring work. Some of the statistics I've read about how much time and effort you can save on a typical implementation, and the, the stats are pretty compelling. I think you've taken some of the, you know, the classic example uh, files, Northwind database. I can't remember what's the name of the what's the name of. There's a wine database as well. It's pretty famous. The old bike shop. So some of these classic right. Microsoft sample databases from SQL Server and Access, and you've illustrated how quickly those could be built in Power Accelerate on the Power Platform mm-hmm. just by consuming some of those sources. Some of the, share with us some of the statistics again. Yeah, and actually, we uh, like like literally yesterday we released a feature now in, uh, inside uh, the tool which shows specific statistics for what you've just uploaded. And so it's a yeah, I'll call it Discovery Insights feature where if you upload your database, it will list how many tables, how many records, fields, uh, how many common data model suggestions, and then based on that we. Uh, provide an estimation of if you would do that manually, it's almost like an estimation engine, how much effort that would be right. and how much effort we can actually then save if you would use our solution. Uh, and that's available on our preview um, website now. But with yeah, common tools, which we uh, at the common databases, which we use like Northwind, uh, AdventureWorks, uh, Bike Store, uh, all, all of those, uh, we could see that we could move apps uh, up to three times faster and automate up to 65% of the effort. Uh, the, the categories where we can yeah, save a lot of effort and automate a lot of effort is around the data modeling, data migration, uh, of course, is, is a really big one, but also analysis and testing, where we provide least help in the areas around the, yeah, the builder implementation efforts, the clean logic uh, and, and all of that. While we populate the fields and the, uh, on the forms and the views and, and the canvas app, there's still logic there, which people need to do. But yeah, from, from feedback from customers as well is that, yeah, it's not yeah, that big of a deal because that's the kind of job citizen developers like to do. Right. They like to create screens and make it look nice, but they don't like to create fields and data model and have to think about that and, and, and how they, they, they do that. And so if I start with a, a database, you mentioned data migration there. If I start with a database, do I just provide your tool with the schema or am I actually providing the database and you're actually migrating the data as well? Yeah, if, if we can call Access a, a database as well, so there's two, two approaches. For Access, you can just upload the Access file, and then we, we have everything for SQL Server. We've learned the hard way that customers aren't very willing to run some kind of a tool from a company they've never heard of on their production database server, <laughs> reading their data. So the way we work there is we leverage queries. So we ask them to execute one query which extracts the metadata. So that gets us all of the data, which is there, the tables, the fields, the relationships. And then based on the res- and they, they paste that result in our tool. And then based on the result, we generate a second query which fetches the, the data. And, and then they paste that response in our tool as well. And the big benefit is they don't have to install anything. There's no connectivity or security issues. And they see exactly which data they give to us. Uh, they, they can also run it first without the data. So right. it gives a lot of flexibility around that uh, discussion as well. That's also a big learning we had from one of the first partners we started working with. Like 
there's no way this customer is going to allow us to run a tool on their production server. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I'm I'm wondering if I could be a little bit more creative than that. Could I use this tool to migrate an old instance of Dynamics CRM 2015-2016 and say, here's my schema, go and build that on Dynamics 365 customer engagement and then migrate the data as well? Has anybody tried to use Power Accelerate for a, a, a CRM on-prem to online migration? We, we've not done that exact scenario. Uh, and I, I think the the reason why we uh, yeah, where we would face some struggles as well is the, the way Microsoft yeah, puts out the data model because it looks at the tables and, and the field names. And I think it would be really hard to recognize those technical field names which Microsoft uses under the hood and, right. and map it towards it. But but in theory, it, it, it's possible, but there would be some yeah, manual work mapping uh, some of the other common data model methods like account and contact we we would have you covered quite easily but some of the other tables uh, would still be some manual uh, effort uh, but it it's not impossible if you have access to the database if it's an on-premise uh, or something model it, it, it's certainly possible from a technology point of view and if a microsoft customer or partner is interested in power accelerate and the advantages it could bring to an implementation what what sort of customer or partner do you think would benefit from this for example i do a lot of work with teams that are building and designing the applications in sprints so we don't have a data model at the start of the project it evolves mm-hmm. as we learn more about the requirements but if i'm moving a legacy application and it's not quite lift and shift, but I need all that data to come across into a new Power Platform application. That sounds like a great scenario for Power Accelerate. For that first one, where it's an iterative design and development, can can I use Power Accelerate to achieve any advantages there? Yeah, so we see two big scenarios which we're working with partners and customers on. One is indeed the modernization piece, which is yeah, our initial use case and, and where we, we started uh, from really. And it, it's indeed a bit more obvious because you have something which you can take across. Um, but after starting down that path, we did see Power Accelerating being useful as part of Center of Excellence as well, where... You, you have citizen developers, but also other teams starting to create these apps in, inside of a customer environment, but they don't always take into account those best practices uh, with those initial releases. Uh, and what we've seen is once yeah, the, the people managing the CUE see that certain applications have a, a high user base and value for the organization, they pick those applications up using Power Accelerate and move them to a more hosted instance or environment which they have control in. A common example there as well is yeah, SharePoint lists uh, have been an extremely popular uh, data source, uh, mainly because of licensing uh, con- constraints or licensing opportunities, uh, right. I'll, I'll, I'll call it. And so a lot of the people we work with now use uh, Power Accelerate to move apps on top of SharePoint lists to Dataverse uh, as, as well. So, and, and that use case from the center of excellence is, is growing. It, it can either be more experienced citizen developers who work with a set of citizen developers and take up an app or a data model and, and move it uh, in, into yeah, a, a different environment, or the professional developers as well, where, yeah, in, in the most simple case where they draw something up on a form during a design session. But also, yeah, if if, they have, if if citizen developer has done something in in Excel already, which they want to quickly pull over, yeah. So so that those are the two main uh, big use cases, and we're trying to yeah 
prioritize the center of excellence use case a bit more to, to create some new features right. in there. What kind of limitations does it have? I know you've worked in a lot of enterprise deployments with big customers. Can I point this thing at my SQL Server backup of my finance and operations database and rebuild finance and operations on top of Dataverse? What kind of limitations does it have at the upper end in terms of number of tables and the complexity of the application we might be trying to modernize? By default, we enforce some limits and also because we've learned. Uh, when we initially started the private preview, we had uh, some people who were very original and, and, and tried out a lot of scenarios. Yeah, we, we make one Power Platform instance available to all of our users, and that instance got very polluted very fast. <laughs> uh, so we, we're enforcing some limits, like the number of records, uh, mainly the number of records they can migrate on, on yeah, top of our instance. The idea is that if they bring their own instance, which is also uh, supported, that we remove that limit and they can yeah, go unlimited. Uh, but then again, unlimited is something we're uh, learning on as well. So uh, if, if I give you some examples, AdventureWorks, uh, I think at 81 tables and yeah, like, like 20, 30,000 records, uh, we right. were able, after fixing many bugs, uh, uh, and timeout issues to get tool to support that one. We're now also working with a partner in Spain, uh, which is giving us a database with 150 tables and, and yeah, almost 100,000 records, which we're uh, working to, uh, towards as well. Yeah, we are facing some timeout issues, which we're tackling one by one. And we try to optimize the tool by making it use uh, Threading, multi-threading, uh, but then we learned the hard way that uh, the metadata API of CRM doesn't play nice uh, with that, and we were getting uh, customization lock exceptions. So we're now looking at yeah, splitting up that model and, and doing it in multiple runs uh, in order to support that. So, so yeah, I've, I've worked in, in a lot of complex scenarios, so I know uh, the space quite well, so we're trying to support uh, as much as we can. But yeah, at the moment, I would say, yeah, the limit is somewhere around, yeah, 100 tables, yeah, 20, 30,000 records. Anything below that should be able to go through the tool without our support. If someone does have a requirement larger than that, just feel free to reach out and we'll work with you to, to make it work. And one learning we, we did have sometimes already as well is that uh, when people do modernization, they don't need all of the data always. Uh, there, there can be data and, and tables there which would have a backup. Uh, so we, we do advise some kind of a cleaning phase before handing uh, the database to our tool as well. Building the application quickly is one part of it, one struggle that we all have. You know, Migrating the data, there's already you know, proven techniques and tools out there for that. Yeah. So if I can use Power Accelerate to help me build the application quickly, get the you know basic forms, views, designed, and the data model in place, and I can always you know use a more traditional approach to migrate the data. So you've given me even more options there, which is which is fantastic. And where are you in terms of your journey towards general availability and having this you know globally used by anybody? Um, you mentioned private preview. Where, where can customers go or partners go if they're interested? Is it a generally available yet, or are you still um, in a private preview phase. Yeah, so so we are planning to go GA, yeah, somewhere in the next month or so. I would say the initial, yeah, the initial target was end of January, uh, but uh, I had a personal situation come a little bit in the way of that. I I, I became a, a father uh, for the first time three weeks ago, and and that took quite a bit of time. <laughs> so that, 
Tabi Atari Shadow bit. Congratulations. Thank you. So uh, the idea is that, yeah, for private preview, we accept anyone who has an interest in using our product and is willing to commit to actively use it as well. Uh, so if, if someone really uh, wants to try it out, has some use cases and they reach out to us, we will get them set up in the private preview and work with them uh, to, to tackle anything. We currently have, I think, 14 uh, partners in the private preview, actually 13 and one customer in the private preview, which are trying out the product. From those, a couple of them are actually doing production work for their customers, but we're not charging them anything for it yet. So I'll still call it private preview. Right. But we are looking at uh, coming up with a GA model yeah, sooner than later, I, I would say. Uh, for those customers who have, yeah, who are doing production work using uh, our tool, we will still foresee some kind of a trial mode uh, after that as well, where uh, customers and partners can use the product uh, in, in trial mode uh, before they have to buy uh, anything. Yeah, well, that leads me on nicely to the next question about licensing. And um, there's, you know, there's a, a million different ways you could license an application like this. H have you settled on a licensing model yet? And, uh, what are your thoughts in that direction? Yeah, we worked with partners on, on that model and, and, and yeah, we, we've learned from them and how they would like to use it. And we landed on a model where yeah, we, we provide two big features. One is uh, discovery and the second one is the automation of the work. Uh, where we will have the discovery, so the first layer where, can, where scoping can be done, you get an estimation of how much work would this be. Uh, will always remain free. Uh, so you can just uh, upload the file in there and you can get the statistics and, and also provide an estimation to a customer if you're a partner. Uh, right. And then for the second layer, the automation of the work, we're looking at a, yeah, a, a sort of credit model where a certain application has a complexity. Uh, like if you upload two screenshots, uh, which generate three tables, it, it isn't as complex as if you do adventure works. Uh, so based on... Uh, the complexity, and we use those uh, statistics as well to define it. And we will have a credit model where um, a customer or partner can buy a set of accelerate credits in, in, in a bundle. And then with that, they can pay for that work. Uh, actually, that, that's the uh, idea behind it. And we have an entire ROI model linked to it, uh, working with those partners. So if anyone yeah, wants some more details or, or wants to hear real numbers, uh, feel free to reach out uh, to us uh, at our website, uh, powerexcelerate.com or the LinkedIn page and, and just send us a message and we can do something uh, specific. Yeah, I, I love that. Um, you know, the, the more I use it, the more value I get from it, the more I'll pay for it. Um, that's That suits my consumption mindset really well. So yeah, I really like your idea of where you're, where you're thinking there. I would always advise any ISV, and I'm, I'm building an ISV product as well, try and keep it as simple as possible. We all know how complicated Dynamics 365 licensing has become over the years. Everybody found it much easier when it was nice and simple and there was one, almost one price for everything. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it so, sounds like you've got some great thinking. Yeah. Uh, good. good to hear. <laughs> What's coming up in your roadmap? Talk us through the next kind of three months, six months. What are you, can you talk about what you're working on next and what else you'd like to, to achieve? What, what kind of feedback have you had from your early adopters? Yeah, I think the big milestone is that we want to go GA and, and then with a first stable version. Because now, I think we're in this private preview mode for six months now. And features which a lot of people have asked for and, and get value out. But we really want to get to a phase where we have that stable basis, which we 
can put out there and, and people can use it uh, because otherwise you get into a mode where you keep releasing new features and sometimes that comes with a couple of bugs as well. The big things on the roadmap uh, out of the, the top of my head is one uh, support for larger databases is something we're actively working on. It will be released in the next couple of weeks. Uh, we'll make something available where you can e- more easily select which tables uh, you want part of the process. It comes really handy if you have more than 100 tables. It becomes a real nightmare if you have to click them one by one. Uh, So that's a big one. Also, bigger volumes. Uh, We're starting to learn that uh, some of these databases, even if it's just one tables, can have a lot of records. Uh, So we do want to support that. And then... Even SharePoint lists. uh, Yes. (laughs) Even SharePoint list, even though we did some tests there with quite large lists and, and also with the data migration at our site, we've optimized using uh, execute multiple and, and, and all of that. So it is quite per- performant. Uh, other things on the radar are support for uh, yeah, data first for teams. So we can add that as a target channel. We are looking a little bit at the APIs, which they're going to make available uh, linked to data first uh, for teams. That's a big prerequisite, of course. And then uh, as also a public sector customer we're working with around moving paper forms into Power Platform apps. Uh, so that can be Word documents or paper forms uh, and taking applying a bit of the same logic. Uh, so adding, adding more channels. And I guess the final one we're looking at is uh, yeah, Lotus Notes uh, migration uh, towards uh, oh, oh, Power Platform. Uh, yeah, I hadn't thought of that. I looked at the Queensland state government. So I live in Queensland and here in Australia. On the state government IT website, you can see all the projects that are ongoing at the moment. There's an $8.5 million project to do modernization of ancient Lotus Notes databases. Uh, So yeah, there's there's a massive market for that. I always wonder though, in in 10 years time, is there going to be a $20 million project for a Power Apps modernization project? Uh, are we building the legacy apps of the future? Uh, but um, maybe that's, that's my kids will sort that out. Uh, the, the thing is, if you have Power Accelerate, it won't be twenty million uh, because the idea is that we automate that that job. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, pay, I'll pay nineteen million dollars to you, and, and the Queensland government can save a do- uh, million dollars. We'll see. <laughs> no, but I, I, I hear you. That's the first part of my conversation with Bird. If you'd like to hear the bonus extended interview, please make sure you subscribe to the Amazing Apps show in your podcast player and set it to download new episodes automatically. The bonus episode is not going to be published on my website or promoted on social media. It's just my way of thanking Amazing Apps show subscribers with some extra content. In the bonus extended interview, we discuss the size of the Power Accelerate team, their approach to building their application, how Power Accelerate is being funded, and what Microsoft thinks of its employees building commercial Power Platform applications in their spare time. We'll learn what Bert's hopes are for Power Accelerate and his advice for anyone else like you or me hoping to build a community application or a commercial application as a side hustle. Remember, you can find show notes for this episode at customary.com slash 026. If you find amazing applications insightful, please remember to subscribe to share it with someone in your team. See you next time. Until then, keep sprinting.